Welcome back to Path and Bounds Creative Office Hour. My name is Stella Guan. I'm the founder and CEO. And today we have、um, a really interesting guest. His name is Samuel Kang. He is based in San Francisco, and he is truly a multi-hyphenated creative. He is a graphic designer, an illustrator, a creative coder,、uh, a UX designer, and a painter. So he does many, many things, and we're really excited to speak to him today to learn about his career. Hi, Samuel. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah,、um, thank you so much for joining us. So you currently work as a UX designer at Microsoft,、um, and you just—I、um, believe you graduated a couple of years ago. So you're essentially、um, still pretty early on in your career. So I was just really curious because you do so many different things. You—you、um, you know, you paint, you code, you design. What inspired you to study、um, all of those skills, and how do you see yourself using them for your、yes. career? Um, that's an excellent question,、um, and it kind of involves like multiple、uh, disciplines that just kind of came through、um, in my life that you know in, involved me going to art school. So as for as long as I could remember, I always liked drawing,、um, and whenever people ask me like, "Oh, what inspires you?" I like would not be able to articulate it because it's something that I feel very innately towards, like just drawing and creating that like. It just feels very natural and something that I feel a lot of joy in. So I kind of understood that like that's something that I wanted to pursue. So I went to art school initially to do advertising and、um, production work for you know graphic design and any advertising for clients.、Uh, and I was specifically actually interested in the makeup world,、um, cosmetology. So、um, during my Third year or second year of college, I interned at CoverGirl through an agency. So I got to do a lot of production work for you know in-store walls and graphics, and I fell in love with graphic design there,、um, and decided to kind of pursue that as a route. And then be- I actually got to take a coding class as an elective in、um, Maryland Institute College of the Arts, where I attended school, and. I also fell in love with the fact that like I could just start creating, you know, without any mediums that are like pre-made by somebody. So like Adobe Illustrator to even like Figma,、um, and even like Paint itself, it is touched by someone pretty much. And then like with Creative Code, I could either you know take an existing library that someone has made, so like very much like、uh, any software that you use, or I could go really bare bone and start creating something from. Complete scratch. So I really like the freedom there, and I got in touch with the recruiter at Creative Lab through a career fair,、um, my junior year of college, and she suggested that because I liked coding, I sh- should try out, you know, UX design. And so I never even heard of UX design at that point. So I did my research, and I got really intrigued by it because it meant that, like, one, I would be doing a lot of the Front-facing UI design, and it also involves working with engineers, which I've always wanted to do. So I, you know, just kind of read a lot of articles that I could find online, and did self-initiated projects to get myself an internship at an agency that does UI/UX for various clients. And from there, I just 
after graduating, I went into the Bay Area again to start, you know, pursuing this UI UX career. Yeah, that's really awesome. So you basically, you know, follow your passion and then you're open to experimenting with a lot of different things without restricting yourself first. And I think that's um, something that's really valuable because you don't want to decide on something until you've tried it out. And you also want to, you know, take up um, opportunities that come your way and just, you know, provide the best that you can. Um, that's really interesting because, you know, when um, it, it, the, the recruiter suggested UX design to you uh, as a potential path, right? Uh, that uh, when, when you mentioned that, um, I think, you know, a lot of people, they think that UX designers have to code. Um, sometimes they don't, but it's really important to know, you know, the basics to communicate with um, engineers and developers. So you don't, so you don't end up speaking two different languages. Um, so my next question, actually, speaking of coding, right, um, because you have some knowledge in it, and you're also a designer, how important do you think it is for designers to learn coding? Do you think it's necessary? Or do you think it's more of a good to have? I think it depends on how you want to identify yourself as a designer, and like how you want to work. I think it's a both nice to have, and it's like, you should have kind of thing. So I think at the bare minimum, you should know a couple lim uh, like limit and restrictions of like what engineers can and can't do. I think you need to just know that on a high abstract level. So that doesn't require you to learn coding, but it requires you to know, you know, certain things, certain semantics, certain things that you shouldn't do, like don't make UIs with like very complicated inter like decorations and user interfaces. I can go on and on about that, but like that, you don't really need to learn how to code, but you certainly know that engineering would be very difficult. So I think so subtle nuances like that you should know, but beyond that, it's kind of up to you. I chose to learn how to code just because I found a lot of personal joy in it, but I also recognized that it meant that I could talk to developers more. And by no means do, am I saying that like I'm on par with like an engineer, like an engineer, would write code far cleaner and far better than me. But at least like when I'm doing a handoff, um, I can use certain terminology or if I'm doing like responsive design, um, I can tell the engineers like certain, you know, CSS properties um, instead of just trying to design each and every mockup. And that saves a lot of time or especially with like the tools that I use, which is Figma, there's not a lot of like animation transitions you could do or it, like, adding event listeners, which would require JavaScript. So by just adding like even just pseudocode, which means like just how the code is supposed to behave, I think that has done a lot and has been very helpful for me to communicate with the developers. Um, so I think it's a both nice to have and you should know kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. It, it, it sounds uh, contradictory, but I 100% agree as a designer myself, because I can't imagine, you know, not knowing um, anything about code. It, you, you, when you talk to engineers, you'll really not be helping them, right? Because they'll have to teach you everything and it'll slow down the workflow. So definitely agree on it's not, you know, something that should uh, deter you from pursuing a career in this field if you feel like, oh, my code is so complicated. But at the very least, you should be well versed in it. You don't need to be at the level 
of a software developer um, for sure. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your um, career, you know, trajectory from being a student um, and graduating, you know, a couple of years ago and landing a lot of uh, different roles at uh, major big companies. So I think it's uh, pretty impressive. And a lot of a lot of our listeners, um, audience, they're trying to to get a foot in the door, right? Uh, right out of school. So what is your advice for people who are trying to break into the industry? What should uh, they do? Yeah, I think, well, first and foremost, I think it's almost inevitable that you're going to face difficulties, which sounds really bad. Um, but I think it's the truth. It's just that there's a lot of design jobs out there, but the competition is very steep. So I, I think it's very normal to have difficulties and it's okay. And I think everybody at certain point in their like path um, face difficulties, including me. I still face a lot of difficulties um, like as I'm, you know, growing my career. So I think it's very natural. And I, like, I know it's very like hard to look at, you know, LinkedIn or even like YouTube or podcasts and everybody has these amazing job or like they're like going at an expedited rate or a rate that like that you don't seem to quite match and I think it's easy to feel down but I would like to encourage people to like not feel down about that um and likewise like I think we should um if you're especially in your early in your career I think you should be open to learning new things um like if someone suggests you something or if you find a certain tool that you think is really interesting or catches your attention like go for it I um don't let anything really stop you, which is really cliche. But um, yeah, I, I would say just be very open to whatever opportunities that comes to you. And um, if you're if some, something interests you, like don't doubt yourself, just learn it and see how you like it. And even if you fail, like that's totally fine. If you as long as you had fun and you learned something, I think that's really important. Like I took coding class, I think like the first two times I didn't do very well. I actually got like a C and like, I think I was like one of the lowest, I had the, one of the lowest grade from all my other classmates. And I felt really bad about it when I was a student. Um, but I had a lot of fun and I saw a lot of potential and maybe like integrating it with um, my practice and certainly like my perseverance, I guess, kind of paid off. I think like, a lot of people, if they put a lot of effort, like, or if people took the same classes as I did, I'm pretty sure they can get a lot further. But I try to not compare myself by, you know, who who learns it faster or better or writes code efficiently, as long as I'm having fun and, you know, creating and learning. I think that's something that we should always look forward to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you brought up uh, a few really good points, like being patient with the journey because um, not everything's going to happen all at once. And um, while you, you know, compare yourself with others, know that not everyone started at the same time at the same place, right? Um, it's 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 really common to be, you know, struggling in the first couple of years. And even if you're 10, 15 years in, you'll still, you know, face um, a lot of obstacles. So um, that's, the first, the first thing is about the mindset. And then the second thing is about um, really, you know, keep improving because if you don't improve, um, there's a reason why, you know, you can't get ahead, right? So um, I, I love, you know, um, 
how you mentioned open-mindedness and just be open to learning new things um, instead of staying stagnant and then complaining about not, you know, getting hired. Um, so let's actually shift gears uh, a little bit and talk about, you know, what got you hired, um, especially your portfolio. It actually initially stood out to me and that's why I reached out to you. Um, so your portfolio is not like um, most portfolios that I have seen. It's really creative. It has a lot of fun elements um, in it. And you also created a playground section where you show uh, a lot of your personal projects that are not necessarily, you know, um, work projects. So um, tell us, what do you think, um, how, how did you kind of um, ideate, right? Like, how did you come up with the idea for your portfolio? And, um, and, and how important do you think it is to think outside of the box instead of sticking to a standard uh, template yes. for your portfolio? Um, I think that's an excellent question. Um, I think for my portfolio, I kind of went back to my painting and my illustrative days. Um, one of the things that my teachers taught me was like, you don't want to paint something and then have an artist look at it and say, I know exactly what technique he used, what paint he used, and what brush to use. Because that means that the medium itself is speaking for you, not the actual content. And like, that kind of hit me in like a different way. I was like, oh yeah. So like, if you're using like a very standard like color palette, like if you're using a lot of ultramarine blue and um, a lot of those like colors, like in oil painting, um, like if you have a bunch of phthalo blue like everywhere, then unless it's not done intentionally, like people are gonna like to uh, like people who are just regular people, they are gonna see and be like, that's a pretty blue painting. Like, I like it. But like to a designer, they're gonna be like, that is so phalo. Like, I don't, I'm like kind of disgusted by it. <laughs> like, and I was like, wow, my teacher really hates phalo blue. But then I think like over the course of the years, I realized like how <laughs> blue, the color phalo blue is, which is why it's so useful, but it's also like as an underpainting element. But like, if that, compromises the whole painting, it becomes very jarring and becomes very distracting. So I think same thing with my portfolio. I understood that like my resume was not as like filled with experiences as the people I'm competing in with the entry level job because nowadays like apparently two internship is like not enough to get an entry level jobs to certain certain companies. So I realized that like I gotta do something different um and i looked at my portfolio and i thought my content itself is okay but i think the way i was presenting it was the issue because originally which i don't have because it was a few years ago all right i had like a my portfolio from adobe and it just had this like square like layout with like and that was it so i remember thinking like it i'm getting I'm having my portfolio. I'm a designer. I like pride myself as being like a web designer. And yet like my portfolio itself kind of speaks to like template at most. Um, and that kind of hit me like, oh my God, what if like a design manager, design hiring manager sees my um, website and think I, he used Adobe portfolio, like that doesn't interest me. So I, it kind of came back in a full circle. So I kind of tasked myself to recode the website i like tried various cms tools i under also understood like the technical limitation and scalability so i didn't want to code everything from scratch because there's just no way i can maintain that like as i you know progress into my 
um, career. And I didn't have the skills back then to code something with like bare bone and code my own content management system. Um, so I chose Webflow because it's kind of like, it's kind of like website builders for people who are very familiar with CSS. And I really like that because then it was like, it was a graphical user interface approach to coding almost. So I took Webflow and I also wanted to kind of sell the point that like, I do know a little bit of coding. Um, and my teacher uh, who wasn't directly involved in my website has always you know, taught me to, you know, like first impression is everything, whether that's just meeting a new client or like you're showing your portfolio, business cards, all these collaterals that are front facing about you is super important. So I think a translation to that to my website would be the hero section um, above the fold, above the like uh, whatever is within that 100 percent viewport height. That's the first impression. So I want to kind of create like create an element that really helps you helps you know users identify who I am as like a person, um, my skills, uh, and so I kind of took it like I made a like fake code editor looking um, like interface using HTML and CSS and Webflow, and then the copywriting inside of it is very much like code. It like I want to sell the point that I'm like a multidisciplinary designer, so I had like this bracket. Um, which is called an array of like different strings or different letters of the skills that I'm comfortable with. And then like that will kind of serve as like a navigation bar um, and kind of like redefining like what a navigation bar could be. Cause like a lot of the portfolios that I saw had like the standard, like horizontal, like navigation bar with like the logo and the link, which is super great. Cause like it's a familiar space, everybody can use it, but I wanted to kind of sell the point that like I wanted to, you know, I, I, I am this like multidisciplinary or creative thinker. Um, so I kind of made that little uh, code editor looking graphic that served also as like a navigation bar. Yeah, I, I really love that. I think that's um, genius. You know, um, even if you don't know that much about code, you know a little bit about it, you understand what it is. And and you kind of um, and, and also brought up a really good uh, analogy with the painting, right? Um, even if you haven't studied painting, I mean, you know, when you when you appreciate something, you don't want it to be so predictable. You want to feel something, right? You want it to be special. You know, when when people custom order something, they pay a premium price because they want it to be one of a kind. They don't want it to be off the shelf, you know? So that's the same thing. And I'm glad you brought up Webflow, by the way. Actually, uh, we also use Webflow for our portfolio school program. And it's actually um, really clean. It, it, it's, it, it really generates code that's clean and um, also easy to use. You don't actually have to code um, if you don't want to, right? And and it, it just makes it so much easier to break away from the template and actually realize what you design on a blank canvas, which is awesome. Um, excellent. So can you actually tell us a little bit about um, your projects? Um, you can pick one or two. Um, tell us what you did and uh, what inspired you sure. to create the project. Um, so one of the projects I'm currently working on is a personal project of mine coming from like a more editorial background in my art college years. Um, I kind of learned a lot about like different eras of design and like different approach to design 
So one of the things that I learned was Swiss design using their grid system. And I was just like, I, I didn't really like it at first because it kind of confines you into this like grid system, but I gained to really like it because it's really effective at what it's supposed to do. And then I also started learning HTML and CSS and learned that um, there is this property called CSS grid. And I saw so many overlaps and similarity between it. And I'm definitely not the first to like understand these overlaps. I like came across, like when I typed Swiss grid and like CSS grid, like all, some people have wrote like articles about it. So I was like, oh, I want to make a poster generator um, that kind of like that allows you to generate like Swiss grid, like layout posters, even if you're not a designer. So I coded everything in HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Um, there's no backend yet, so it's just all through your you know, browser cache and uh, storage. Um, but it was kind of like, it kind of served a multiple function. One is to obviously like kind of satisfy my craving to like kind of showcase this, these overlaps in, that exist in both print and CS um, coding. And then another was to kind of learn new coding techniques. So I obviously came through a lot of obstacles, being that I'm not a very good JavaScript co um, coder. Uh, and my primary, like, I, I guess the language that I'm familiar with or the most proficient in is HTML and CSS and like a JavaScript library called P5, which helps you create graphics. So it was kind of, a challenge for me to like learn plain vanilla JavaScript and like Google my way out of like figuring things out because I didn't really have like a teacher or someone that I could ask. So asking, uh, I would like go through a lot of, you know, stack overflows, Google to like learn new techniques, new tricks so that I could add it to my um, tool belt. Uh, so I think that was like a really good project for me because it, like serve so many functions or uh, so so many intentions being that like it's a project that I can showcase to um, future employers. It's a project that I know that I could just share with my non-designer friends and see them interact. And it's really cool because um, like the feedback so far has been like relatively positive. So and they like are when, when I see them like click through it, like I can see their like eyes kind of glisten and then I'm like oh I built that and designed that like it's something that I can take a lot of pride in um, and I've learned so much from coding it um, so it's a project that I really like that's amazing so you, you know it's something that you can share with your friends who are not in design and kind of like see their reactions and and also um, you know I, I remember teaching um, you know like the grid right and um, I think I should use your generator for, for my students. You know, that would be really fun. You know, I've been looking for like fun, interactive um, learning tools and maybe this is it. And also actually personal projects are really um, a good icebreakers for, you know, interviews. When you go somewhere and they ask you about your projects, you can be like, well, before we break into the bigger projects, let me show you a fun little thing that I develop and maybe you'll get us a taste of what I, you know, what I can do. Right. Um, and also I've always heard great things about P5. It's a great library. And, um, some of my creative coding friends are actually really love it. And, and it's, you know, and obviously we all have to look up a lot of things, you know, as we learn, I remember myself, um, learning WordPress many years ago, and I've never 
you know, enrolled in a course or anything like that. I just looked through so many discussion threads and watched so many videos. And eventually, you know, it all came together. So I'm sure you went through the same process with your project. And it's so good to see it yeah, come to definitely. life, right? I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I was going to say, it, it's so good to see it come to life. But I think the most satisfying part is when you inevitably encounter a bug or a state that you don't expect it to happen. And like you run around circles trying to figure out like where you went wrong. And then like you finally find it. And then when you click refresh and it like does the exact thing that you ask it to do, like I think that's so satisfying. Like debugging, super yes. satisfying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. A huge sense of relief and, and you feel so achieved because you actually solved a big problem. And maybe it's easy for some other people, but hey, you figured it out all on your own. And that's the most important thing. Um, so speaking of, of um, you know, technical stuff, um, I know you design your contact form um, in a really unconventional way. I mean, it's still a regular form, but you put something on it that just makes me chuckle. It makes me, you know, smile. You said... <laughs> You love ducks. <laughs> and I'm like, I've never seen this anywhere before. This is funny. I want to talk to this person, right? So how do you, um, what do you think it's, um, you know, is it important to incorporate um, humorous elements in your portfolio design? Um, how, what inspired you to, you know, be a little uh, creative? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you liked it. Thank you so much for your kind words. <laughs> I do. I, I've never seen anything like that before, which yeah. is really I would fun. say yeah. with things that have a lot of voice and color, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, some people really like it, while some people are like, oh, I don't think this guy can work at, at a professional capacity. Um, and I think that's kind <laughs> right. of bad because maybe I lost a potential employer or potential client. But it's also kind of a like good thing because then you don't have, you probably won't work well with that person anyways so you just kind of avoid yes, exactly. a whole yeah. like you know bad apples so you only get to pick good apples I guess that's the pros and I also think especially if you're trying to work in-house or at a company I think work culture is super important and not to say that there's like one right way it's differences are like apples and oranges and it's really hard to find like a company that like you feel I guess like aligned to or feel like you fit in. So I think like companies are interviewing you not only for your technical abilities, but also like your like working style or your work style in your workflow. So I think embedding personalities really show um, employers and interviewers like what you're like. So I think like throughout my copywriting and all my portfolio, I try to be relatively consistent. I'm not a copywriter by any means. But I do like have similar tone, which is a little bit more casual uh, because that's the type of work environment I like to work in. So if it's like super corporate, which is really funny because I, I would consider Microsoft yeah. to be super corporate. Uh, yeah. But I was proven to be wrong. Yeah, they're very <laughs> know, nice. Right? They're very personable, like great work culture. Um, I like really love my team. So yeah, I think it was super important for me to display my personality because awesome. then it started to um, kind of cherry pick or gain attention from people who were like-minded like me who like working casually and working collaboratively yeah exactly 
Yeah, um, I love that. And and I completely agree. I um, used to say in one of my articles that you're not going to be for everyone, but you're going to be special for some people, right? And you, you're, you don't want to work for everyone either, because some of them are just not going to click with you. So you might as well be yourself. If you pretend to be someone that you're not, you're going to suffer. Um, so I'm really glad to hear that you actually found a great team. And and, you know, even though it seems corporate, but it's not. And actually, a lot of companies are, you know, depending on what team you're in, um, sometimes you'll find really supportive teams, sometimes not. So it really, it's a matter of trial and error. Um, awesome. So my last question to you is, um, because you are, um, you know, uh, still just a couple of years out of school, so it may be still fresh in your memories. Uh, was there anything that you learned in school back in the day that you don't use as much anymore? Um, and what kind of skills do you think it's um, pretty important for designers to master yes. um, in the workplace? Um, a lot. Art, art is a very broad topic, um, which means that you get, especially in an art school, um, you get to learn a variety of things, which is really great because a lot of the things that you learn have overlapping disciplines and principles. Um, but it also means like the technical things that you learned or honed don't really get used in an everyday setting. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's useless or arbitrary. It just means that like it's just another skills that you have in your back pocket for that one time that you're going to need or multiple times or you can apply it in your own unique use case and then make it your own. Um, and to kind of be more specific about that, it's like I, as an illustrator, spend so many years learning anatomy, how to draw hands, how to draw people's faces. Um, and then I came into tech and this is going to sound a little harsh, but like I realized that nobody was really drawing hands. Like everybody just had circles for hands or like blobs with no like <laughs> metacarpals. Oh, <laughs> yes. No. All the like bone anatomy that I studied like right. for two years, like it yeah. kind of turned out to be not so useful. Um, yeah. And I think I asked, like, I think it was like my second or third com company. And I just kind of asked, like, why doesn't anybody draw hands in like tech? Is it just me? And then uh, I kind of found out that like nobody liked drawing hands, <laughs> so then they just chose not to draw hands. So I remember when I was doing some of the. Oh, is that the reason? I, I think so, <laughs> and I I mean like it's not like an official statement. I think it might. Yeah, it may also be like because it's so difficult, not a lot of people know how to draw it well. So they're like, yeah, let's let's just scratch it because we can create a whole <laughs> new style of illustration yes. without the hand, right? So yeah, it, it, it could, could be, be that, that. too. Yeah. It could be as intentional as like making a brand that is easy to use and easy to recreate. Um, yeah, so I remember like, I was like, why was my professor so like fixated on hands and um, like... <laughs> I remember that being like, just kind of like, <laughs> oh, I guess I didn't really need to spend two years to like learn how to draw an anatomically perfect hand. Um, but like, it's really helpful mm -hmm. too, because like someday I'm going to, like I have drawn hands a lot as an illustrator. So it still comes, mm -hmm. but I'm like, okay, it's yeah. not as important as some of my il illustrator teacher has made it to be. And that might also be because I work in tech and UX and they work in editorial um, like our field of work is relatively different, even though we're both illustrating. So I, yeah, I think that's like one thing that like I 
spend so much time on that don't get used a lot. And there's like other things too, like painting. I don't get to do like uh, as a career, but I like see a lot of design disciplines that are used in painting that apply to almost everything I do. Like painting is basically like a whole experience, like, but just on a static canvas and you're using design principles to control the eye user's eye so that it tells a narrative. And I think similarly, UX does the exact same thing. It's just, you have multiple screens, um, but it's ultimately like one product, like one experience. And you're ultimately telling a, telling a narrative with like a story, exactly. like it's a beginning to an end. So like on a nuance level, they're like very identical, mm -hmm. I would say, but like obviously on a technical level, there's a lot of things that are different. So understanding those yeah. like, bigger picture has been very helpful for me to like learn new things um, because then like for UX design, like I like learned that the ultimate goal here is to get user from point A to point B and in illustration, you learn that like, especially in editorial illustration, which is what Micah is known for. Um, it, it's basically like telling a story um, of like the article that it's featuring in. So you need to like employ a lot of like different design di disciplines, like, compositions, color, scale to like make sure that the story is being told like, you know, from point A to point B. Yeah, I, I think you brought up uh, so many good points because no matter what kind of um, projects or disciplines that you're designing for, you all need the foundational skills, right? Which you have been trained for, even though they may seem irrelevant um, in, in a specific project. But, you know, like you said, it actually shows at the level that you're on and, and you'll see that, you know, difference, you know, with someone who hasn't been trained in those. Um, and, and, and also design skills are kind of transferable to, you know, other adjacent disciplines, right? Because you study one thing, uh, it makes it easier for you to, you know, kind of do um, another discipline. And you also mentioned storytelling, um, even though it seems like it's more relevant for editorial, but it actually is super relevant for UX as well and many other design disciplines. If you can't tell a story, you can't relate to, to your users who are human beings, right? Who inherently loves stories and and um and designers should should know how to even if we're not writers we're not producers but we need to understand that psychology so um that's really amazing well thank you so much for sharing so um so many you know valuable advice with us today and we look forward to seeing more of your work in the future and i have no doubt that you'll do really great in this field um so thank you so much thank for you for today. having me it was my pleasure yeah, so uh, if you want to hear more from us, um, if you want to hear more inspiring designers, creatives um, like Samuel, please stay tuned to us. Um, we update every week and we'll see you again very soon. 